We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Okay, this is Cheryl Brederson in studio with Jasmine Allnut. And let's just get right into it because I have so much yes, to say. Yes, we have Pauline Hamilton, folks. Doctor? Dr. Pauline Hamilton. Dr. That's Pauline Hamilton. <laughs> Here's a woman with her degree in physiology from the University of Pennsylvania who taught at Smith College, who is now going to China as a ordinary missionary, yep. not as a doctor. Yeah. But as a missionary, in fact, people would ask her on the ship, oh, you're a doctor. Can you look at this? And she's like, I'm not that kind of doctor. <laughs> I'm a teaching. I teach doctors and people who do that. And so um, uh, she becomes great friends with a single woman named Hazel, who's also with CIM. Okay. And when they get to Shanghai, they're also roommates. And so nice. they stay at the missionary compound in Shanghai. And what's so sweet is all of the missionaries have written her these little um, welcome notes. And they just, her whole room is filled with all these notes. We're so glad you're here. And they give her scriptures. It's such a sweet um, welcome. But she also is sharing that room with, uh, besides Hazel, five others. So there's seven in this room. So as she's, you know, reading all the notes, she noticed that there's a letter from her mother that actually arrived before she arrived in Shanghai. And the letter reads this, the happiest day of my life was when I saw you leave for China. Her mother went on to explain that when she found out years before that she was pregnant with her fifth child, she gave the child completely to God with a caveat, Lord, if this child is a healthy boy or girl, I don't care. I give this child to you for China. She explained that the name Pauline that name that Pauline always hated yes. was named after Paul the Apostle, who is the first missionary of the gospel. And she wow. named her as a sign of the covenant she had made with the Lord. Wow! Then after Pauline was born, she told her husband about that. And every night for all of Pauline's life, her parents had gone in the room, gotten on their knees, and prayed for all their children, but Pauline included, for the mission work that the Lord had for her. She had no idea. Man. And even when Pauline was nine and had no interest in after that and seemed to harden away from it, they just prayed harder. And Pauline thought her parents were like a little rude because they would lock the door at night and kind of keep her out, not knowing that in that room they were praying for her every single night. Amazing. Pauline never saw her mom again. Her mother died within two years and before her first sabbatical. Um, So as new missionaries, they were sent to a place called Anqing to learn the Chinese language. It was a a four-and-a-half-day trip up the Yangtze River in an overcrowded boat. So the boat was made for 700 and had over 2,000 passengers. So they were like wall-to-wall. They were supposed to have this private compartment, and there was no way. And there were were rats like that were like running to and fro, and they had to like – they fought to keep their food from the rats the entire (laughs) – Time. The rats only came out at night, so they realized that if they had, like, their flashlights on, the rats would scurry, but then they realized the rats got more emboldened because they were super hungry after, like, two days on this boat. Um, so they were finding out every day. So now it's 1946. They were finding out every day that communist activity um, was everywhere, and it made the voyage very treacherous and very expensive. Inflation was everywhere because of the communists. So Pauline was really slow to learn the language, and it took her more concentration than the others. And sometimes people would say, I thought you were a doctor. And she's yeah. like, of 
physiology. I understand that language. But Chinese was really hard for Which her. Which was why they didn't want her to go as an older woman. They exactly. She learn. That happened to Glass Aylward. You yes. Know? But finally, she felt like she had a handle on it. And she was getting so excited. Finally, it was coming to her and she was getting it. And she has to return to Shanghai for assignment. And it's Bishop Houghton. You probably recognize that name. Yeah. He wrote the biography of Amy Carmichael. Right. Which is one of my favorite biographies. And it's written by Bishop Houghton. He also wrote quite a few books about the China Inland Mission. He was just like, he was just amazing. Everybody loved him. And he had taken, of course, um, the place of um, Hudson? H- Hudson Taylor. Yeah, and then after that, um, D.H. Uh, oh, host. Yes, host. Yeah. D host. And so he's running CIM in China and he calls Pauline in and he said to her, you're not going to like this assignment. And so she began to brace herself. And again, anywhere, anyhow, mm-hmm. all of the A's, bar nothing. And he says they were desperate for a teacher at Chifu School, which was temporarily in Shanghai and was attended by missionary kids. They were desperate for a science teacher. And this was literally the last thing that Pauline wanted to do. She had zero experience and zero affection for children. She was the youngest. So she was the one that was catered to. She'd never even been around children all of her life. Never around children. Can you believe that? She wanted to be near the university, and she wanted to reach the intelligentsia of China, give her college students, give her professors. She had all these apologetics. I mean, she could prove uh, through creation and through, you know, the physiology of the body how how we were all created and God was real. (laughs) Nevertheless— Anywhere, anytime, anyhow, with nothing in the way. So she accepted. Then the rest of the bad news. They had no books because the missionary who was coming, he had all the books and he couldn't make it. He was waylaid. There was no curriculum because everything had been destroyed by the Japanese in World War II. There was no lab equipment. There was no curriculum. And she was to teach ages 9 through 18 But Bishop Houghton said he hoped it would only be for three to four months. And he says this, it will be a daily test of faith for you. Of that, I am sure. And so was Pauline. So Pauline was immediately overwhelmed to make matters worse. I mean, consider no books, no curriculum, no lab equipment, ages. Yeah. Yeah. So she's not even used to that level. No. I mean, nine-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds, junior high, and then 18-year-olds. She was the only American on staff. All the kids were British. All the teachers were British. And they all talked about forms, not grades, forms. And they all taught the English way. And she was to prepare them for the Oxford and Cambridge exams. She didn't even know what those were, what those were like or what was on them. GCSEs, all that stuff, yeah. (laughs) All of that. She didn't know. And so she did her best. She had one microscope that she had actually brought with her, and that was it. That's her only lab equipment. And she had to write her own curriculum, create her own labs, and teach. So she would take these children on lots of nature walks, and she would have them, you know, catch, like, insects and various creatures. So one day she really wants a frog. She's like, I'm going to show them the circulation system of a frog. And so she sends the kids out because frogs were in abundance. Nobody could find a frog that day. Nobody. And as she's thinking about that, she hears these frogs croaking over the wall. But the over the wall is a Buddhist temple. 
So she goes over there and she asked them for a frog. And they said, what do you want to do with a frog? She said, oh, I want to dissect it and show my, you know, students in her limited Chinese the circulatory system. Well, they're aghast because frogs to them are their ancient ancestors reincarnated. Oh, my gosh. So, of course, they refuse her the frog and they're very upset with her for even asking. Somebody, one of the students has a rat that is hit over the head, but it's not quite dead. So the circulatory system is running. So she... She dissects it in front of the children. The children, of course, are like mesmerized, but their parents get very upset and said, you know, we don't want this in the science department. So Bishop Houghton stands up for her and says, look, she's our only science teacher. The kids need to learn this. This is God's creation. And so the parents relent. And in the end, the parents end up loving her. However, there's a Miss Broomhill who's English, and she's one of the teachers there. And she asks to speak with Pauline. And she comes into her room and she rebukes Pauline severely for her attitude, for her Americanism, for her discontent at being at Chifu's school. And Pauline listens and listens and then bursts into tears. And you see, one of the problems was that the British teachers had never included Pauline in even one of their gatherings. Mm. They never ate with her. They left her to herself. They never spoke to her from the very beginning, and they never offered her any help. So she began to list all the things that she was up against. And Miss Broomhill sat stunned. She hadn't understood Pauline's plight at all. And after that day, there was mutual cooperation, mutual understanding, and friendship. It just started something new. That's crazy. Not only Chinese cultural barriers, but even with the British. Right. Gosh. And and that, too, she also felt like she was losing her Chinese. She Mm. she had struggled with it, and she's like, I don't want to lose this. So the three months turned into two hard years without books, without curriculum, where she was writing the curriculum for this and, you know, trying to get from these teachers what the Cambridge and Oxford exams (laughs) look like. I mean, she's really doing this in the dark. So um, it, it kept being like, can you please stay another three months? Can you please yep. pay? At the end, they had to hire three teachers to take the place of Pauline. Wow. Three teachers who came with books and curriculum and lab equipment. Well, actually, uh, Pauline was assigned to Nanking, but first she had to go to Shanghai, and she was the one they assigned with buying all the lab equipment in um, Shanghai, and she had it all sent back. So she was then assigned to Nanking, and she was ecstatic. Nanking had a university. That's what she wanted. Right. Uh, she wanted to go there, and she's in Shanghai. But the communists were so destabilizing the entire country that she was supposed to go, and then she wasn't. She was supposed to go, and then she wasn't. In the end, she had to stay in Shanghai. And she began to work on her Chinese and to teach Bible classes to the Chinese students there. However, things kept getting more and more treacherous. Um, Overnight, on May 25th, 1949, there was a change of government. And when she woke up, it was just a different government. Oh, was it now? And the only difference, yes, it was Mao Tse-sung. The only difference was that there were communist soldiers with guns on every street corner. But it was still overcrowded because a lot of the Chinese had fled communism and gone to Shanghai. And um, everyone seemed to be carrying on business as usual. So they kept going. They kept working. And the Lord put on her heart during this time to start writing Bible study notes 
for the students. And so she starts writing this intensive Bible course for all the students. And she's also at the same time going and teaching the students. She goes to a medical college to teach, and she also goes one other place. But it was getting so treacherous that they didn't even want her walking the streets as a um, Westerner. Right. But one night, her last night uh, going outside, she didn't know it was going to be her last night. She makes her way to the medical college, and when she gets there, the students are like, oh. And she said on the way to this meeting, she had this feeling of, the Lord's presence being with her and just protecting her. Like just this really strong impression that the Lord was with her. Mm. She gets to the meeting and the students say, who put this mark on your back? Who put this mark on your back? And she's like, what mark? And there's a piece of paper that's been like put on the back and it's a death notice. It's a bounty. And it says something, it's by the communists, whoever kills this woman or kidnaps this woman will receive a um, a reward Lord. from the communist. And yet she walks safely all the way to the college. But they take that off of her and say, you have to walk a different path. It's not safe for you. So she walks uh, a different path back. Well, now the missionaries aren't allowed out of the compound. They're kind of out of under house arrest. And she begins to write, really work in earnest on this curriculum because the students can't come to the Bible studies and they can't go out to the students. It's too dangerous for everybody. And she's doing it, and she's got gusto, and then one day she can't. She gets there. She's happy when she wakes up. The minute she starts to work on the, the Bible lesson, she's just oppressed. She can't speak. She can't think. She's clouded, and she knows it's the devil. Yeah. She knows. Yeah, for sure. But she cannot do anything about it. And this happens day after day after day, and she's trying to pray, but she can't even pray. She finds herself even unable to pray. So this missionary comes to her and says, you know, we've got to pray through this. Um and she says, I can't. Every time I open my mouth, nothing will come out. I can't think. It's I've never had anything like this. I'm a scientist. Yeah. <laughs> I know this stuff. There's nothing like this uh, scientifically that can explain what's happening to me. I just know it's Satan. And so the missionary says, well, I'm going to pray with you. For three hours, they pray. And the missionary just keeps urging her, just say the name of Jesus. And she can't even say the name of Jesus. Her lips won't form even Jesus. And she's trying to, but she feels this dark force stopping her and against her. Finally, after three hours, she's able to say Jesus. And then she says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Then she starts working on the Bible lesson. She gets up. She feels this relief. This is great. She, everything is going well. She thinks it's over. She goes to write it. Same thing. Missionary comes back. They pray through it. They pray, they pray, they pray. She says the name Jesus. Then she's able to pray. Happens again for one week until it completely lifts. And she finds out that even 30 years later, people were using that curriculum. The Bible students, wow. they were hiding it under their drawers. Uh, they were hiding it, you know, wow. in their boots, just every place. But that curriculum was continued to be used. And she realized the devil did not want totally. that. So clear. Wow. So... um. They were asked um, May um, 29th, 1950, they all had to leave. Uh, oh, everybody was being kicked out of China. Yeah, they were all right. deported. Okay. But before they could go, even though they were deported, even though they were called back, um, in fact, what happened at first, it was like women and children. So she's like, oh, women and children. And then it said, the American embassy said, no, every American has got to leave China. So she had to leave. But before they would even let them out, she had to go through five different 
grueling examinations. And that's like an interrogation. Mm -hmm. So the first, like, why are you leaving China? Why don't you like our country? Then the second one, then the third one. One was extremely grueling. It was a young guy and he even took the pins out of her hair, insisted she was had contraband in her hair. And it was a shame for um, any man to put their fingers in your hair. It was like a rape. But she said to herself, I'm an American and this means nothing. He can put his fingers in and he was trying to humiliate her, but he couldn't. And then he found she had to wear a back brace, Um, kind of a residual effect of, you know, all of her she had been in. And so he he ordered her to strip down in front of everybody and take off the corset. And she looked around. She said a prayer. And this other interrogator who was a woman came up and said, you're going too far. So she took her in a room. Mm. She takes off the corset. The man tore the corset apart, like her back brace apart. So she doesn't have a back brace anymore. So she has to go on without this back brace. At the last stop, the last examination, right before she goes to Hong Kong, the man says, why are you leaving China? And she's like, okay, Lord, give me the right answer. And she says, oh, to honor my father who's turning 80. He's like, oh, I totally understand. That's oh, wonderful. Smart. Yep. And so she goes. So she ends up getting to Hong Kong, staying in a Quonset hut for four weeks, and then they send her on furlough. So she goes back home to America, and she meets with her father. And she stays and they have a wonderful time. But her father's 80 years old and he's in bad health. And so she's like, do I go back to China or do I stay and take care of my father? So he he says to her, do you think you're supposed to stay? I couldn't deny it, she says. And I shot a quick glance at him to see how he was looking. Yes, dad, I feel I should go back to China. I answered simply, Her father says, I feel you should too, he said confidently, and then added, you know, when I was very sick, I asked the Lord to let me see you once more. He has given me that request, and I'm not asking anymore. I don't love you more than I love the Lord, and I don't want you to love me more than you love him. Should the way open up for you to go, I feel you should go back. And that was his answer. Well, wow. she got news almost immediately that it was time to return. And she and her father had the deepest, most wonderful conversations about the Lord that she ever had. And she found out that he had kept every single letter she wrote and poured over them, wrapped them in red ribbons, and they were his treasure. That's so sweet. So um, when she returned to uh, Hong Kong, she— uh, started and she sailed back on the Queen Mary. Isn't that exciting? Ooh, the one in Long Beach? Yeah. Hey. Well, now. Yeah. But um, <laughs> when she sailed, she uh, uh, when she got back, she met a wonderful Christian woman in the church. She was at this Grace Church. And um, the Lord was doing incredible things. About 200 there, she was started right away these Bible studies at the university for these Chinese students. And she and this woman decided to have a Bible conference for these students um, because a lot of them weren't saved, but they were coming. So they thought, we need to get them away. But there was so much opposition to this conference. One man was so upset that women were planning a conference that he left the church altogether. Then their speaker canceled. But they found two Americans who had come over to minister but their plans had been canceled. So they asked these Americans to do the (laughs) conference. So the Americans came up to do the conference. They were disastrous. These two Americans. Every like illustration was American. The people didn't get anything. Uh, they were dull, their points. They didn't know how to reach the Chinese. Yes. They were culturally like um I'm just clueless. Irrelevant. Yeah, irrelevant. Yeah. And so she said it was just awful. And these students are like, this is it. 
this is all you have. So they planned a road trip on Sunday. And they had three army vans to carry the students up the mountains uh, to this place where they were going to do Bible studies. And they had all these, uh, like, hikes and wonderful things. And the drivers were from the um, Hong Kong Army. They were, like, amazing expert drivers. But on a very precarious place, all of a sudden, this old man jumps in front of the first truck. And the truck expertly misses, but barely. And it's like a precipice on one side. And he misses the man and is able to veer when the man goes running out in front of the truck again. Like, nobody knows what possessed that man. And all of a sudden, the truck, uh, in missing the man, goes towards the cliff and starts to go down the cliff with the ambassador's wife, the American ambassador's wife, and 36 Chinese students. And it's over the side, and she's in another truck just watching, and everyone's screaming. When all of a sudden, the truck stops, stops. So with its top wheels on the ridge and its bottom wheels stuck, and so they're able to evacuate all the students and the ambassador's wife, and they look to see, why. and the driver, why didn't this truck crash? And there's a tiny little sapling tiny little tree and it stopped them from careening down that cliff and crazy there's no other trees anywhere in the topography of where they are this is the only wow. tree so those students say that's it we want jesus so all the students in all three army vans said you know we can go back saved. now we just want jesus so they turn around they go back and they have this huge revival and this student group names themselves the Grace Youth Group. Now, the church was named Grace Church, but they said, no, that's not it. We're naming it Grace Youth Group because we've seen the grace of the Lord. We own it. <laughs> so even the man who had left, he comes back to the church because of everything that the Lord had done. So the the life isn't without hardship. Pauline has two surgeries, then a health crisis that resulted in bed rest, then gallbladder surgery, and they pronounced her dead after the death. Gallbladder. Mm -hmm. How many times did this lady die? Oh, no. There's so much. I mean, I could go on so much, but we're almost out of time. I could actually do one more show, but I won't. But again, it looks like she's going to die. But she continues to minister from her bed. And the nurses count all the visitors and all the people that come. And she gives Bible studies to over a thousand And so she decides she wants to live closer to the university. She finds a house. It's the haunted house near the university. And so when she moves in, all these people are like, you're in the haunted house. There are demons. She goes, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So she's not afraid at all. She gets this dog named Cinderella. One day, Cinderella (laughs) is like barking like mad. And she's like, what's wrong with you? And finally, she decides, this is the Lord. I'm going to see what Cinderella is telling me. There's a fire and it's coming down the block and it stops right before her house. And the fire trucks come and are able to stop it. It was like totally. Another time, um, there's um, Cinderella is is going crazy and she doesn't um, know what it is. And it's um, a she's going out to pick strawberries and Cinderella won't let her pick strawberries. And she looks and a green poisonous snake crawls out from her strawberry field. I mean, it's just like this dog is so, so anointed. Yeah, geez, seriously. So next door to her, there's a man bound to a chair, and he beats his wife all the time, and so they bind him during the day so he won't beat his wife. So his wife comes over. She leads the wife to the Lord, and the Lord says, I'm not going to worship idols anymore. They're making you crazy to her husband. So her husband gets a mob and decides to attack Pauline in her house. And 
some students see it and say, you know, doctor, uh, grandma, they called her grandma, grandma, lock your door. So she bolts the door, but all the walls are paper. So she goes into her bathroom. She just begins to pray and she hears like quiet and she goes out and her, her front door is broken. The gate is broken, but she's totally safe. And she knew that the Lord had mm. done it. Comes time for their uh, second uh, conference to do. And she tells the people, the Lord's going to supply all our needs. Don't worry about it. Everything is going to be all right. We're going to be just fine. And um, they give her the money because they said, you know, look, the banks are closed. We'll give you the money. So she hides the money in all sorts of different places. She goes to church. She comes back. It's all stolen. Her house has been broken into. All the money is gone except an envelope, which is her maid's salary. So she's suspicious of the maid, but she says nothing. Sure enough, the maid gets worse and worse and begins to taunt her. Like, where's your God now? You don't have any money. How are you going to pay for anything? And so it's breakfast time. And the the maid is like, you have no breakfast. Look, your God has failed you. I mean, the maid's getting more and more aggressive. And that day, she says to the maid, well, set the table because God's going to provide me breakfast. That day, um, a man came and said, I've just baked all this fresh bread. I want you to have these fresh loaves of bread. It's her favorite bread. Then a woman stops by from the church with 30 fresh eggs. And then the maid goes, well, you might have bread and eggs, but you have no fruit and you have no coffee. Yep. A woman comes <laughs> by and says, oh, my papaya tree had so many papayas. I want to share some with you. So now I she's got papaya. It. Then another one says, somebody gave me this coffee. I heard it's worth a lot of money, but I don't even drink coffee. It's a whole jar. It will last her months and months. Oh so gosh. she looks at the maid and says, and now I want chocolate. And sure enough, a woman comes oh with all this American chocolate. So the maid's getting worse and worse. And one night she tries to kill Pauline with a cleaver. What? And the only way that Pauline survives is because the dog bites her. Cinderella bites the maid. Cinderella's a rock star. I know. But Pauline from that day on had to sleep with all the knives from her kitchen under her bed. And she can't fire the maid because of Chinese culture and all sorts of things. But the maid finally gets married secretly but hasn't told Pauline. So when Pauline finds out, she's able to with honor. Let the maid go. But the Lord speaks to her and says, get out of the house. So she packs up everything immediately after the maid leaves on these ox carts and leaves everything but Cinderella. And she puts Cinderella in the bathroom and closes the door and she leaves. She goes back the next day to get Cinderella and finds out her house has been vandalized, broken into, broken down. I mean, these people were coming for blood. And she was gone. Well, we don't know that yet, right? But you're right. Later... Years later, the maid came back to her. She had three children. She came. She confessed. She gave her all the money back. She received Jesus and just totally repented, crazy, and took blame for everything. She said, now you can have me arrested. And Pauline said, I'm going to go one better. I'm going to forgive you. (laughs) So anyway, Pauline goes on furlough. She goes back to the United States, sees her father one last time. Her father says, I want you to go. I do not love you. More than Jesus. <laughs> so she goes on furlough, and he's 85 at the time. And she finds out she has to go to San Francisco. She finds out she has a first-class ticket on the way back uh, to China. And the Lord tells her, it reminds her of the words, feast when you feast, 
fast yep. when you fast. Yep. She takes his first class. She's sitting at the captain's table. He's an ardent Christian. He loves missionary stories. He asks her to tell him a story. So every night she's sharing Jesus and all that he's doing in China with all these people at the table. There's these uh, two really wealthy couple. They own an automobile. Um, I think it might have been Henry Ford, but she didn't say. Yeah. And he says, "What are you, wh- you know, where are you, you know, where did you go to school? She says, University of Pennsylvania. He's like, what? He said, where'd you teach? Smith College. What? He said, our daughter tried to get in Smith College and she didn't have good enough grades. And you taught there and you gave it up to go on the mission field. Are you teaching? She's like, no, I'm just a plain old missionary, but I get to do these Bible classes and teach the Bible, which is much better than science. And I mean, they're just amazed. So she gets back And now the ministry that she had to these college students is taken over by Christian Chinese. They're doing it. And they're her former students. And they've all been raised up. And they're able to teach. And they're ardent Christians. And some of them were the ones who were on that um, ride Mm. with the army carts. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, yes. And so the Lord tells her that he's going to use her in a new way. She's in her 50s. He's going to use her in a new way. And again, he gives her a scripture about new things are about to happen. Will they not break forth? So one day she comes home and there's this guy, Ted. He's a gang member. And he he says, I'm going to move in with you. You're a missionary. You have to accept me because you love Jesus. So he's got a room and she's a little concerned. But she says, all right, if you're in my house, you have to study the Bible with me and you have to pray with me every day. So they start studying. So one day he says to her, I love these studies. Can I bring my friends? So he starts bringing other gang members. They all get saved and love the Bible studies. So because she's so great and they have so much respect for her. Okay. uh, They say, you know, that's it. Um, And so um, they all get saved, but they respect her. So one day the police come and they ask her to stop a gang fight. Um, and she goes to this gang fight and they, they, they stop. And so now, you know, um, I'm going to go just a little bit longer. Yeah, that's fine. My mom did that. We'll so have it's to totally fine. Close it. Okay. Add a little five or two. So anyway, she begins to pray for these boys and prays that there would open a school for these boys. So they do. And she's like, Lord, I'd love to teach at that school for these wayward boys. Mm. And they hire, they, the official comes the governor himself comes to hire her. She says, I have four stipulations. One, she can pray with the boys and teach the Bible. Two, she doesn't have to report bad behavior. Three, <laughs> she won't be required to break confidence with the boys. And four, she won't get a salary. She said, because if you give me a salary, they'll think I'm here for the salary and not for their hearts. And he said, but we were prepared to offer you a huge salary. She said, I don't want it. So she teaches for years at the school. School. These boys reform. They get saved. They go on to college, um, and then these boys come back and they teach at the school. Um, one of the boys, things would go missing while she was teaching them, but the <laughs> Lord tells her to trust the Lord. Two years later, the boy confesses, returns, and reimburses everything that was stolen. There's so many miracles with these boys. I mean, I could do a whole session on just these miracles. Hmm. But in the end, in 1975, she was diagnosed with stomach cancer. She felt like the Lord said, just keep going. And so she does till 1978 when she was told to leave the mission field. She wasn't expected to live past Christmas of 1975. So 1978, she leaves the mission field. She returns wow. to the States in 1978. God continues to write, provide. She writes her bi- autobiography, and she dies in 1988. Ten years later. Yep. That's amazing. A walking miracle. And that's why Pauline Hamilton is a woman worth Oh, knowing. I'll say definitely. Join us again next week. 
Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnutt.